you know, again, you were told to be quiet. We told you all this stuff. You just have to sit at the table. And I had this conversation with you when we were at the mastermind, however many months ago now. And there's a girl in the back and she's asked, she didn't see me. I was in the front. She didn't see me. And she asked, well, you know, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, it's, it's so much easier as a man to be successful. And how do I become more successful? And you were like, I think, I, I don't think I should answer this. I think Jesse Lee should answer this. And I just said, what are you doing back there? It is easier for us. Like we have this false reality in our minds that it's gonna be harder for us to make money or harder for us to get on stages or harder for us to have a seat at the table. The seats are there, we just tend to not sit in them. I just sit in them. That's the <laughs> difference. I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Jesse Lee. Like, what's going on? Yeah, like I pull a seat up or something <laughs> like that. Just make yourself be known and, it, and you don't have to be anything except for yourself. But there's so much opportunity and quite frankly, I think it becomes way more powerful when you are in that room and there are a lot of men because you stand out. Right. It's a huge opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of the Money Mondays. This is going to be a really easy episode because I love our guest today. She's one of the only people I always brag about, talk about. So it's going to be really easy to ask a bunch of questions. You guys are going to get to hear from someone who is the top network marker on the planet, but also a coach, a speaker, and everything else in between. Please welcome our special guest, Jesse Lee. Wow, thank you. Hey, guys, how are you? I'm excited. So our co-host here, The Real Tarzan, gets over 200 million views a month on social media, helping out there to teach about animals. Welcome, Tarzan. Thank you for having me, guys. All right, Jesse Lee, we talk about three topics here. Okay. How do people make money? How do they invest money? And how do they give some away to charity? Okay. So first, we'd like you to give your two-minute bio so we can get straight to the money. Sure. So hi, I'm Jesse Lee Ward, and I am the number one network marketer in the world. Um, and then outside of that, I used yeah, I used uh, that income not even really knowing what I was doing and started investing years ago, realizing I really needed to diversify my income because especially in that space, it's just people get rich, they never get wealthy. And I didn't want to be like that and I didn't want to coach like that. So then I started getting into entrepreneurship outside of network marketing by investing in things that I understood like hair salons and car dealerships and whatever. I'm just trying to get some more passive income going as well. And um, I live in Texas. I'm a dog mom. Uh, I do have stage four cancer. And so I'm beating that right now, which I'm excited about because I'm it. totally going to crush it. Um, and yeah, I love the speaking. I love all of it. But my whole thing is I do everything with kindness. That's really my, my number one core value. And so I think that shines through with a lot of stuff I do. And my big passion project now really is this coaching. I love it. It brings me so much energy, so much joy watching the light bulbs go off in people's minds. And getting a coach is the best thing you can do because it's like those little one degree shifts or, hey, follow me through the minefield. But right. um, yeah, I'm 34 and I don't know what else you need to know, but that's that. All right. <laughs> so we're going to dive right into some of the key topics. Why do you think it's important for people to make more money? Okay, so I was told that that my podcast would change when all this health stuff happened, and this is just like the first perfect example. It used to be, oh, you can change the world, and it's legacy, and you can do so much good in the world, and all those things are true. I'm not denying any of that to be a fact, but I said it on stage today, the one thing that you want when you have all the money in the world is your health when you realize you don't have your health. And if I could give up everything that I have and then have to start all over again but be on a clear bill of health without any thought that would cross my mind, the answer of course would be yes. And so um, it's super important that people get their money right. It's super important people understand how it works. It's important people don't take advice from bad people or quite frankly our governments or rely on our governments for things like that. And I'm, I'm grateful that I made a lot of mistakes really young. I started trying to figure out money really young because it put me on this path that I am on now. But um, yeah, I just want everybody to understand money more so that they can actually have the life that they deserve. It is important. 
So in the network marketing space, mm-hmm. a lot of people make 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month. And there's other people that can make 100,000, 10,000, 50,000. And obviously like you make millions and millions of dollars for the year. What do you think the difference is be someone that kind of just gets by and fades away to the people that are actually making five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand a month? Mm-hmm. I've determined it's all mindset, but money is all mindset, really. It's, it's how big can you make it? And that's your income, that's your investments, that's your businesses, that's everything. There's a ceiling that you'll build it to and it's based off of what you think your mind can do. So if I'm trying to sell you something and I think it's expensive, I'm never gonna sell it. And in network marketing especially, it's like we have products or services that don't cost that much money. And then you're trying to convince people. They do this convincing thing. I never really wanted to convince people. I just thought to myself, I'm just going to tell people this is what they need. And I had this mindset like, no, you need it. You need this. You need this. You need this. We're going places. And I think most people, they'll get that $50 a month, $100 a month, maybe $500 a month. And it's they they go to that that one circle of people they know. And that's all they're going to talk to. Everyone in business does this. It's like, let me talk to just my friends. Well, your friends are not going to make you millionaires. And so they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. And they don't want to push forward. And I was just always a person who's like, all right. So day one, this is a totally true story. Day one, when I bought my, my kit, I walk out and I said, okay, who do I know? I know everyone at work. And I got 16 no's within probably 20 minutes. And the 17th person said, mm, maybe. I'm like, so you're not saying no. I know, I know this dumb and dumber line, you know. Um, and I was just, yeah, I got a chance. And I just kind of always looked at it like that. I think a lot of people, their mindset is just not where it needs to be. And also they don't take it seriously. They let other people's opinions of, oh, it's not a real thing it's not a real profession this is not a real business it gets in their heads and it screws with them and I was like well you might not think it's real but this guy over here has made a hundred million dollars and he's 50 years old doing something so you call it fake I don't even care like whatever you want Uh, I just didn't let people I didn't let people's other stupid opinions affect the way I felt about what I was doing and it really taught me so much more about entrepreneurship than I ever could have expected. It taught me the importance of personal development and it taught me how to scale businesses and work with people and lead and, 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 and. So I think the problem is people's mindsets are just so small and so limited. So when it comes to whether it's network marketing or choosing a job, how do you think people should consider choosing what products or businesses or brands they get behind? So first of all, do both. So maybe not popular uh, opinion in this space, but I'm always like, why does it always have to be quit your job? Right. Like if we're talking about making money, like money matter or making money impact lives or having extra money, if you're making an extra $500 a month and you're not quitting your job, okay, that's $6,000 a year. This is a lot of money. Most people go, I'm only making $500 a month. (laughs) I'm like, no, you missed like the entire point. You can do both. And I think that's the great thing of any of these side hustles. It doesn't have to be network marketing, could be affiliate marketing, could be just the gig economy in general. Yeah, Yeah, e-com, you could be driving Uber. I don't really care. But take that as a side hustle and then turn that into something big. And uh, a lot of people just won't do that. And so there's... There's all of that. And then I don't remember the beginning part of that question, actually, but I was like, that's such a good question. Um, Oh, you can also, you can take it, obviously, and you can turn it into something full time. So, but people do it too soon. You know, they think they get too excited. They're like, oh, I made, I had one good month. Right. Like, but you're not being financially responsible right now. It's possible. And how do you pick something that you like? It's all about what you're passionate about. This, this is another reason people don't make more than $500 a month. They're selling something they don't care about, yep. they don't like, they're not passionate about, they can't talk about all the time. I talked about cards and coffee with you on stage a couple weeks ago. I'm like, 
this is clearly something he's so passionate about. He yeah. can't let it fail. <laughs> yeah. And this is the best. This is the best way to make investments. Anyway, it's like follow the person who is so obsessed <laughs> yeah. that you're their guarantee. There's like no matter what, these freaking Pokemon cards. Yeah. Like let's count the deck. Uh, don't yeah. open it. And I'm over here like I'm opening it. I want to find a flashy card. You know, I'm like I don't even know what we're doing over here, man. Um, but I was having fun with it. It's like that's what you follow. And there are so many products and so many services. You can find anything. You know, you can find insurance companies that for for network marketing. You can find every health and wellness product in the world. You can find it's probably a company that sells RVs for God's sake, for sure. like energy company. Like I literally get my energy through Ambit, which is an MLM, and most people don't even know. Right. Or you know, it, it's crazy. But just pick something that's actually going to excite you, because ultimately you might stick with something and make some money for even five, ten years, but you're not going to stay forever in something that's driving you crazy and you don't want to be around. Yeah, I agree. So one of the things you said is actually been part of my speech for years it's don't quit your day job and you hear so many entrepreneurs like go tell your boss to screw off and go start and be an entrepreneur how are you gonna pay your rent in three months and six months and mm -hmm. nine months i like people to actually keep their day job because we live in a society where our smartphones and the apps and the services and softwares that are out there you can do so many things in a couple hours a night and all of a sudden you work three hours a night that's 1,100 hours a year you can work on your side job or your side gig. Yes. That's up real quick. And when you start to make two grand a month, three grand a month, four grand a month, even then I wouldn't quit. Same. Once you've saved up six to 12 months in the piggy bank and you have stability, like you just said, that it's recurring revenue, not one, one good month, then it's a time you can take a leap of faith where you're not going to be, oh my God, if you have to worry about paying rent that month or worrying about feeding the kids or the family, et cetera, you're not going to sell your best. You're not going to design your best. No matter what people say, oh, people are going to work harder if they're struggling. I, I promise you, <laughs> when you need to go pay the rent, you're going to end up taking side jobs and working at a bartending. You're going to do whatever you have to do to like survive. That's not going to help you build your career or your side hustle. Right. When your side hustle makes a similar income, doesn't have to make the same income, a similar income to what your core job is, and you've got six months or more in the piggy bank, then you can make the leap of faith and not have necessarily be nervous about always going back. Too, too often try to someone who goes and like I'm going to open a restaurant all I need is $100,000 no it's going to take you <laughs> 6 to 12 months of overhead on top of the $100,000 because even if your restaurant works out well you're going to be spending money marketing the place you're going to spend money to hire a better chef and increase things and buy better outfits for your staff etc so no matter what you're going to need extra capital I implore you guys keep your day job and when you have 6 to 12 months saved up then take the leap of faith yep. Tarzan how do you choose what brands products and services that you get behind when there's hundreds of millions of people that are gonna end up seeing that thing. Passion projects, just like you talked about how Dan is in the, his cards. He's like, oh, open that, open that. Mm -hmm. I love working with different brands that are actually passionate about what they do because I have passion on what I do, you know? So I feel if you two can you know, be collaborative and congruent in a passionate space, it's all the better, you know? And I like my Instagram and my YouTube and my TikTok and Twitter and Facebook to all flow and be authentic, you know? So when I collaborate with a brand that's passionate, it's also, and with nature, animals, or conservation, or anything sustainability or eco-friendly, it just flows out, you know, and it's all the better, you know, for me to be in front of the camera or behind it. I just like to be able to be at peace, you know, while I'm working. So we talked a little bit about making money. Let's talk about investing money. You used to, you used to, that was a very diverse thing to say. <laughs> Hair salons, car dealerships, yeah. and everything in between. How do you pick what type of things you put your money into? Oh, it's a funny story. So I think I get the best ideas when I'm exhausted or in the shower. I think most people are the same way though. So I was on tour in Germany. Uh, I have a big business in Germany and this is after, I don't know, 50, 60 days straight of oh tour gosh. stops and my brain was going to explode and little introvert Jesse Lee was just dying. 
And I woke up one day, I'm like, I am so tired and frustrated. And I didn't realize how much I was cash flowing, you know, comparatively to people in the world. So I thought I'm broke and I need to make more money and like, I need to be this entrepreneur who has brick and mortar stores and is taken more seriously. And, and, uh, I make a phone call to my boyfriend at the time. I'm like, that's it. When I get home, I'm buying everything that I use all the time. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I I get cars, I get my hair done. I get my nails done. I get, I go to, I like burgers. I was like listing all this stuff. He's like, this makes no sense. I was like, it makes perfect sense to me. Cause I go into these businesses and I go, you know, what could be done better? This, 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 this. Well, why is my customer service like that? When you could do this, 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 your salespeople suck. They should do this, 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 right? And so it was just kind of this, okay, well, when you go home, do that. And I happened to know the owner of a salon that was in the area and I just messaged her. I said, hey, are you looking for a partner? I wasn't actually intending to, to purchase. She goes, I want to sell it. I went, oh, I said, well, when what I come home, I would love to talk to you. And I got home from Germany and that was like the first thing. And then you get presented all kinds of stuff when you're, uh, when people, A, when people know you have money and then B, when people go, oh, like that's somebody who can put something behind a brand like you were kind of talking about. And so there was, there's a car dealership in Dallas, an exotic car dealership, because I like fancy cars. And he's like, hey, you're a woman who has these cars. It'd be great. And we also need capital. And I said, and we just negotiated, you know, he wanted he wanted me to invest only in a couple of cars to have on the show. And then when he would flip them, I would make the profit. And I said, okay, but if I give you all this money, because it was a lot of money, I said, I want money off of every single car you're selling. Right. He's like, oh, I have to think about it. And then ultimately he's like, I'm like, you keep asking me to post stuff on my Instagram, right. whatever. On like, social, no, yeah. it's never going to happen unless yeah. I own part of the company. So um, that's kind of how I got into that. And then I always, it, it's people. Everything is the business of people. And so when, even though I'm introverted, you're introverted. I don't know. You're probably introverted. He's like, For yes, sure. please don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's funny because I actually find that introverts can actually build the deepest relationships a lot easier because they're not all over the place trying to please everybody just yeah. so they don't have that huge bubbly personality necessarily um and so it's getting to know people it's having deep relationships where i go oh like as an example well i know he's going to understand the cards and coffee thing it just makes good sense or you know when you meet anybody in a lot of the investments obviously that, that we've done together it's like you meet the owners and these people are so excited about what they're doing right. They are not going to give up. It's right. their baby. They right. don't. It's like they're they're punting their family for yeah. God knows how long, you know, until their baby comes to to fruition. And I like investing in with pe- it's the people more than anything. Um, but I do like investing in stuff that I understand, so that then I can actually contribute something. I don't really see any need necessarily to invest in something where I can't put any kind of power into what it is. Whether it's my marketing or my branding or my any expertise in anything, I just want to I want to invest in stuff that I go, yeah, yeah I understand that. So a different version of investing is also investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And the last few months when you've been kicking cancer's ass, mm-hmm. your doctor said it was because you invested in yourself. You were healthy, you were fit, you're in the gym, you're eating right, etc. Why should people really consider investing more into themselves? So this isn't everything. It's not even just a health thing. I actually think that's the first investment. So people used to ask me, oh, I, they'd say, I have an extra $10,000. What should I invest in? And I don't tell them a business. Right. I don't tell them the stock market. I don't tell them crypto. I don't tell them any of these things. No, you don't need to go buy a single family anything. Like, no, no, you don't. What you need to do is you need to invest in yourself. You need to go to events. You need to buy some masterminds. You need to go to some masterminds. You need to buy some courses. You need to find something that you want to do and learn. Because that knowledge, the only reason, I, I mean, okay, that not the only reason, but one of the reasons I am who I am is because I've put so much money into my education. Yep. If there's someone I need to get close to, I'm buying a VIP ticket to the event. I'm not just shaking hands. I'm making conversations, right? Um, I was talking about I was talking about an event I went to years ago with Amy Porterfield and some other people, and I just bought a VIP ticket. I wasn't like anybody at the time, you know? 
but I have the photos with all of them. I started the relationships there. And then when I've been to people's weddings now, because we have so many friends in common and we see each other again, I'm like, hey, it's really good to see you. So for the first time four years ago, oh my God, of course. And there's that pre-existing relationship. You can pull out the photo from, you know, when you meet, you know, name somebody, right? Yeah, we met forever ago at Dan's 40th birthday party, Lil Wayne. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you get the point. It's like, uh, I just, I find that there's so much value in, uh, in that, so why did you just start to start coaching and speaking on stages uh first of all there is a massive gap in women who can do what i do yeah if anything people go who else does you know who else can train like you or teaches like you i'm like it's not like a thing i don't know any other women who do it uh, i know mel robbins crushes the stage she doesn't want to do it anymore right yeah. she doesn't want to be on stages um rachel hollis killed her career you know she doesn't do it anymore name the people who speak so there's this huge gap and then i go to all these places and there's all these men and I've taken over the network marketing world. I've been on every stage when Eric, my mentor Eric was trying to take over Tony Robbins and had the biggest virtual event for about an hour. And then Tony's like, watch this, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, Tony like, gets two million people registered or something for his next event. Um, but I've spoken on all these huge stages, all the CEOs of network marketing. And I was like, that's conquered. And I really, you become a great speaker by doing those things, by leading in these events and by training and 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 training your sales team until you're blue in the face. and then I started getting asked, oh, would you do speak? Like, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I definitely speak. Will you come speak? I'm like, yeah, I will definitely speak at your event. And then it just kind of started snowballing into, yeah, that's the woman. That's the girl. She can train. She can teach. She can get people to actually get into action. Because a lot of people are super hypey and you'll get motivated. And, and I'm sure I motivate people uh, at some aspect, but it's really, really, really tactical the way that I like to train. So. Why do you think that public speaking is the number one fear even more than wild snakes. <laughs> yeah, wild snakes. You know, a snake actually almost killed me at this one event we went to. What? The yellow and white snake. Do you J remember this? J prehistoric pets. Oh yeah. my god. So this snake, he started wrapping his himself. I was like his tail <laughs> yeah. himself around me, and I'm like, um, it's getting kind of um, tight. It's getting like really tight, and I'm like, hello, and no one was paying attention. I'm like, I'm gonna die at this hundred million mastermind. Actually, in rest in everybody. peace in this backyard of this mega mansion. And then the guy came like running over, like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I was like, well, do they react to like energy or something? Like, I wasn't fearful, and he was really trying to take me out. Oh, no. Anyway, um, I'm not scared of snakes though. Thank God, or else that would have been a whole moment. That would have been the end for me. I think it's, I think it's because you have to be vulnerable to be a good speaker. You can't, I can't be Dan and, and do a good job at what I do. I can't be like any of these huge speakers that are on the circuit right now and be effective. The reason why anybody's effective at public speaking is because they're showing who they truly are. They're being their most authentic self. And that's what translates. It's my stories. It's my real life experiences. It's how I scaled a business. This is, this is exactly what I did. And I think a lot of people just get so scared because you can't really hide behind a mask when you're up there. You can't make stuff up. I mean, I guess you could if you're a total psycho or something, but like, you're showing who you actually are, and most people are so used to hiding behind that. And then society tells you to be quiet, right? I mean, we're told from a very young age, you know, sit right. down, be quiet, sit down, be quiet, sit down, be quiet, sit down, be quiet. Well, when all of a sudden it's, no, I want to hear what you have to say, it's like, oh, God, I don't know about that. But uh, one of my, I have a memory that I, I need to start, I need to write, write it down as an Instagram caption or something because it's such a good story of my life. I, I never feared the public speaking. And then in college, I had to, everyone had to take a public speaking class. And I remember doing my first speech and it was about how the, the importance of sound actually, which is interesting because then now I've learned cadence and pacing all this stuff and speaking. But my feedback from my professor was, uh, you could have a career in this. You're so talented mm -hmm. and gifted at this. Keep working at it. 
And it's funny to look back on that. That's 15, 16 years ago now being like, huh, amazing, amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Professor Johnson if yeah, you're watching. I don't remember her name, to be honest, but I was like, yeah. Uh, so when people uh, start to progress in their business career, some people start to make money and quickly start to have big, really big overheads mm-hmm. and go broke. We watched it happen with athletes. It happened with a lot of people and entrepreneurs that they start to make really good money and they think it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone that starts to make money? They're making 10 grand a month and now 20 grand, 30 grand. Something happens and they'll, bam, they made six figures. What do you, would you say to someone so that they don't go broke? Okay. Get advice from good people, first of all. And you probably don't need everything people think you need. I like running a very lean business and I like knowing where the money's actually going. And too many people go, well, they told me I needed a COO. They told me I needed this. They told me, they told me, they told me, they told me, they told me. Who is they? Who is they? And why are you taking advice from a bunch of people? What right. do their businesses look like? Does it look exactly like yours? So as an example, with like with, with even just my network marketing and then coaching on the side, two of my biggest cash flows, you shouldn't take advice from somebody who's running, say, a, a real estate company on how to manage these two kinds of businesses. It's different. There are some things that are very similar that all businesses need, but... Holy smokes, I see some of the salaries of people. I'm like, where you need to get leaner. You need to start doing more work. And that's something I think that gets really dangerous is people go, Well, I'm the boss. I mean, it's ironic because my nickname's Boss Lee, right? But like, I'm the boss, so you know, I don't want to have to do all the different things. Like, I already did it in the past. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, I, st- I like to still get my hands dirty and stuff. I like to be involved in what I'm doing. I like to have my hands on projects. Uh, and then pay attention to stuff that's unnecessary. You know, you kind of made a reference earlier to then you upgrade their uniforms and you upgrade this and you upgrade that and all this stuff. It happens in steamrolls so fast. If things are not bringing in money, after you've tested them for enough period of time, you know, three months, six months, whatever you want to do, stop. Just stop. It's, and especially in ways where we've got social media now, it's dumb stuff people spend money on sometimes. They're spending money on gigantic marketing departments right now where I'm like, you just need some micro-influencers. What are you doing? We just bought this billboard on this. You bought a billboard? You know, or or, or, I got a radio ad. I'm like, oh, hell, you know, this is not a good move. Um, But be, pay, get, get advice from people who are doing what you want to do. And that's a good way to start structuring your business and just don't go crazy. Don't go and don't go broke trying to impress people. Right. The athletes, that's what the problem is. And I don't understand how when you're making 20 grand, 20 million dollars, excuse right. me, 20 million dollars. Um, what is that a year? Yeah. 20 and 30 million dollars a year. Five years later. And they're bankrupt five years later. It's like, who were you impressing? Who were you trying to be? Who and who, what are you trying to prove? Stop trying to prove stuff to people. It's like we walked in the RV. I'm like, oh, I love it. I could live in one of these. I just love it. <laughs> That's you how you do it. Yeah, you don't have to impress so many people, and that's really what people are doing. So the whole concept of the Money Mondays and why we created it is because we all grew up thinking it's rude to talk about money. Mm-hmm. And we believe it's the opposite. It's rude to not talk about money. Yeah. And my social media, your social media, your speeches, et cetera, we are very blunt about our earnings, our investments, and everything in between because I don't think it's rude at all. Yeah. I think if I didn't say the actual numbers or you didn't say the actual numbers, numbers that would be rude. The reason for it is people go out there, let's say you have... 18-year-old daughter. She's ready to go be an accountant. And the accounting company is hiring. And she could have got 48000 a year, but she got thirty-seven because she didn't know it's forty-eight. No. They offer her thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. Why? It's rude to talk about money. Mm-hmm. We couldn't talk about it at the dinner table. How dare you bring up salary, even though your uncle or aunt was an accountant and they could tell you, oh, it's 48000 starting. Yeah. You know the difference of her making 37000 She's now like half a decade behind schedule because she'll her next increase will be 39 then she'll get to 42 and maybe 45 she's lucky five years from now when she should have started at 48 mm-hmm. just from a simple conversation of saying 
Oh yeah, starting salary is forty-eight thousand. And the same thing applies to apartments and rents. Should I get a lease? Should I buy it? Should I get a mortgage? What the hell is a mortgage? What's a FICO score? I can't spell FICO. Like, we just don't talk about money in our society. And I think that's why we're so passionate about this and why I love your speech style because you talk about it, you're like, I make $500,000 a month. And you, talk, you just say it. Yeah. Or most people like just say that they make some obscene number and they don't talk about the grind. You also talk about when you were broke and you talk about when you started getting started. And the reality and the bluntness is what is so important in our society is that we don't have these blunt discussions about what it actually takes to build a business or build a career or how much you should make, et cetera. Okay. And then you expect people to know how to do it is right. the crazy thing. It's like, we'll just figure it out. You can't just figure out right. the stuff. You have to have these conversations, which is why it's so important. I remember I joked around it. This is probably 10 years ago when I made this joke the first time. I'm like, why is it that people will tell you their weirdest sexual stuff? Total stranger. Right. You'll tell me all about this weird stuff, like whatever. And you won't tell me about your bank accounts. You right. won't tell me about the debt you have. Your shame, you feel right. shameful about your credit score. You don't, even know what, you don't even know how to find out your credit score, right? It's like the biggest conversation, or the most important conversation. I mean, if you have money, you can have power, period. But if you have no no money, well, you, you can have no power. When I say the sentence, money is the root of all evil, what do you think? Uh, I think that money is the root of all evil if you're evil. And if you're not, you're not. Money doesn't change people. It'll elevate who you are. You know, I know you're super philanthropic. I'm assuming you are too, or he wouldn't hang out with you. You know that I am. It's like it, me becoming richer and richer and richer and richer and richer than being like, oh, I'm wealthy, right? Did not change me as a person. If anything, like I said, kindness is my core value. Well, now I just get to give more. Right. Now I get to contribute to people and places and things and causes that excite me, that make me feel, wow, you get to change the world. And a lot of it is just, and I know it's actually selfish, right? But it feels so good to give. And you don't know unless you do. And if you don't have anything to give, then like... Give your time and energy. Yeah. So um, I wish more people didn't think that. But I think the interesting thing about money is we all have the same money stories from our childhood. If I were to ask people that are listening to this, I'd say, hey, money doesn't grow on... Trees. Everyone would know. And who has a parent who, as soon as you open the refrigerator, they're like, close that thing until you know what you want, Right. right. If I left the door open, what are we trying to heat the whole state of Texas? You know, what are you trying to cool everybody down? Like you're trying to bring whatever. It's like we all have these same patterns over and over again. Well, if those were patterns that are from our childhood that were ingrained in us, why can't we rewrite new patterns? So you have to start talking about it. You have to normalize it. You have to normalize conversations that are like, I don't know what a FICO score is. Or I have no idea how to buy crypto. Or I don't know. How how do you get started in investments? Hey, can I, you know what's what's the best podcast you can listen to for investing or where's the where's the first resource where did you go do you have a financial advisor do you recommend having one or not you know how do financial advisors work what, what's a trust right like well what's a, should i do if i'm an entrepreneur should i have iras or should i not or should i where should i put my money nobody's talking about it but then you expect people to figure it out and then you get to the top of entrepreneurship and there's people who are you know cash flowing even more than i make a month and quite frankly their taxes are in disarray. Their financial house is not in order. It's built on a house of sand. <laughs> Honestly, it's like better not win, better not blow. IRS better not come over to you, right? Or they're paying way too much in taxes, or they don't have. You know, it's just like they say that rich, the rich get richer. The rich get richer not because of anything except for knowledge is the true power. And when you are rich and your friends are rich, you talk and you have different conversations. So if I needed financial advice, I could say, Dan, what are you doing with this right now? What 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 coin do you see is doing whatever? Or, hey, what are you looking to invest in right now? Where are you putting your money? What's safe for you? Are you doing any offshore or any, like what's going on? 
and I can have a real conversation. Well, that's powerful. Then I invest differently. Then I move differently. But if you have a bunch of low-level friends who are worried about how they're going to keep their electricity on and you're taking financial advice, God forbid, from them, which they are, by the way. Sure. My, my aunt said, you don't do da-da-da-da-da. Oh, okay, well, I'm never, never going to do that. <laughs> you know, because oh, God forbid your aunt. Who is your aunt? Where does she live? You know, <laughs> what is she living like? And so I would just, don't don't take financial advice from people you wouldn't trade bank accounts with. Don't take love advice from people you wouldn't want to trade relationships with. Don't take friendship advice from people with no damn friends. You know, it's like, it just seems like common sense, but for some reason with money, it's just not. It's just not. The last topic we like to go over is charity. Okay. Charity is not just about money. We believe that the time, energy, community, social media, rallying people together is a powerful way to do charity when you can't afford it or you don't want to spend a bunch of money on charity, but you want to still do the acts of charity. How do you decide what things you would either write a check for or what charities you would rally around? Yeah, um, easy for me. First of all, it could be a personal cause where you're just like, I'm so connected to this. Uh, the other thing could be something that just for whatever reason pulls me towards emotion. So like the Tim Tebow thing, just as an example, uh, I was like, wow, you see those kids' faces. Yeah. It's very difficult to not get emotionally pulled, even though I don't look anything like the kids. I don't talk like, I don't have anybody personally in my life who's experienced things like that. Thank God. Didn't matter. I was very emotionally called to do it. The other thing is I like to rally around things where maybe it's a lot of people that I love that are being afflicted by it. So I've donated tens of thousands of dollars to Mental Health America for the simple fact that I've got a lot of friends who are struggling with mental health stuff, especially given COVID, right? So if they donate stuff, I'll match donations. We'll, we'll put it all, so, all over social media, et cetera. Um, same things happened with, we. Uh, I don't remember what the foundation was anymore, but same thing for an addiction center we found. It was like, some of my best friends are in recovery, you know? So for me, super easy. I'm like, I love this. Like I, people that I love that are, that, are, that are in recovery for a decade, you know, a decade or more, those are amazing people that right. were just afflicted by a right. disease. Well, you just need more resources. So it's just stuff that I'm passionate about. And then um, sometimes I, I, I think I think that you should give exactly what you are, uh, what you feel scarce around. So you mentioned charities, not just money. Some of my favorite memories are of, um, I guess not flipping houses, but basically flipping houses. So in areas of, of my town growing up that were not great, these houses are kind of run down. You take a day and everybody would come in like almost yeah, like a mission flip, project. You just flip the whole house, right, you know, it. new floors. Re yeah, like maybe a weekend or something. You remodel it, you know, front to back, the whole entire thing. And watching those families come in back to their homes like, oh my gosh, you know, it's the best feeling. So, and a lot of that is just time. That was just energy. That was just community, getting the people together. So you don't have to have the money, but can you gather the community? Can you find a project that will serve your, your town? And it starts really small. It starts in your town, and then it goes to your city, and then it goes to your state, and then it goes to the world. Like a lot of your things have spread now worldwide um, just because you started with an idea. Right. I have a very serious question for you. Yeah? How do we get more women to be like you? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. I want more women on stages. Yeah. And I, the same way you said earlier, like, name them. I can only name, like... Jamie Lima and yeah, Lisa Bilyeu, like on two hands, I could name all the best speakers. There's hundreds of women, thousands of women that are probably great speakers that we just don't know because they're not out of their show. What do you think that we can do to make them want sure. to be Jesse Lee or Jamie Lima type? Yeah, part of it I think is my responsibility. So I'm taking the road of like hiring the publicist, getting more in front of people and showing people you can have, you can be super feminine in your real life and very dominant in your business life and that's more than okay. Um, I think it just needs to be more accepted by a lot of the men. And the cool thing is obviously I run with you and a lot of these other guys and I'm the girl on the stage. And a lot of these men have no idea who I am until I speak and they go, whoa, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. And 
you know, again, we're told to be quiet. We're told to do all this stuff. You just have to sit at the table. And I had this conversation with you when we were at the mastermind, however many months ago now, and there's a girl in the back and she's asked, she didn't see me. I was in the front. She didn't see me. And she asked, well, you know, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, it's, it's so much easier as a man to be successful. And how do I become more successful? And you were like, I think, I, I don't think I should answer this. I think Jesse Lee should answer this. And I just said, what are you doing back there? It is easier for us. Like we have this false reality in our minds that it's going to be harder for us to make money or harder for us to get on stages or harder for us to, to have a seat at the table. The seats are there. We just tend to not sit in them. I just sit in them. That's the <laughs> difference. I'm like, oh, hi, sure. I'm Jesse Lee. Like, what's going on? Yeah, like I pull a seat up or something <laughs> like that. Just make yourself be known. And, it, and you don't have to be anything except for yourself. But there's so much opportunity. And quite frankly, I think it becomes way more powerful when you are in that room and there are a lot of men because you stand out. Right. It's a huge opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, I think I have to do a better job of just being even louder. I have to get on more shows. I have to get on more stages. I have to be really bullish about being put on the stages because uh, I do have to be really pushy to get on stages still, which just seems so crazy to me. I'm like, do you know what I've accomplished? Are you stupid? Yeah, you're stupid. Okay. Now, like, I feel like I got to push people sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, we have all these big speakers. I'm like, big speakers who are broke and big speakers, not all of them, right? And big speakers who have done not even half of what I've done. Okay, whatever. Fine. I just have to not be, no, whatever. I just have to be a little bit more bullish about it, I think, because if somebody paves the pathway, then it's easier for people to follow. Uh, and I love doing what I do. I'll be here for a long time. So, um, and it's, you know, I've talked to you about it. I think Ed about it. Some other people are like a lot of these people write books, but they didn't really build a business. Right. You've really built businesses. So we need more people like that. Cause there's a lot of women who are building businesses and they're just like sitting behind everything. So, um, yeah, I think we just need a trailblazer. So I think that should be me. Last question. Yep. It's 2023, 2024. The world has a lot of chaos in the media. Mm -hmm. I don't believe a lot of it cause I see it in reality. I'm out in the streets and I travel a lot and I go to places and I see, the different version of what a recession we're actually going through is yep. um, when every nightclub sold out, every restaurant sold out and good luck getting a hotel hotel rooms here, 1200 bucks a night. So take it easy with the word recession. But when people see chaos around them, how can they stay calm and focused? First of all, stop looking at what you're looking at. I was on a call the other day with a publicist that I'm hiring and they were like, their energy was all off. And so I just asked, I was like, are you guys okay? And she said, oh, there's just so much going on in the world right now. And I went, what's going on in the world right now? I'm, I'm sorry. I like, actually don't know. She goes, well, did you see about Trump? And then did you see about Tennessee? And I was like, I literally took my pen. And I took notes. I got to Google what happened with Trump. I need to Google what happened in Tennessee because I do not know. I have a theory that if something huge is happening in the world, you're going to find out. Like if it actually is going to impact you, you're going to find out. Neither of those things needed to directly impact me in any way. I didn't need to know about them, which is why I didn't know about them. So with the chaos and the craziness, it's like you get to choose what you unfollow. You get to choose what pages you do follow. You get to choose who you let talk to you. If you will continue to watch the news and read the whatever and get the daily digest of people shooting people everywhere and blowing people up and everyone hates everyone and this country's terrible and this religion's awful and whatever, you're going to be full of hate. Right. You're going to be full of anger. And that is not where money flows, to be totally honest, since we're having a money conversation here. And uh, so just turn all that of that off and you get to control your own economy. It's like when people get all excited about politicians and about elections, I go, why do you care so much? At the end of the day, that person is not your economy. Your economy is your economy. Get your money right. You learn the skill sets. If you're worried about a recession, if you're worried about everything falling apart, if you're worried about AI or whatever, well, what can AI not replace? A lot of skill sets. It can't replace this. No. 
it can't replace human connection. It can't replace big relationships. It can't, it can't replace making investment decisions. It can't replace scale, scaling a business. It can't. It can give you ideas. It can't do what, the human, what human beings can do. So instead of just learning these little skills like how to hammer a nail, bad idea, but you know what I mean? Hammer a nail are things that are going to actually become obsolete and useless. Get your skills up. Now is your opportunity before, oh, it all crashes, doom and gloom. Okay, then take your money that you have now, get some coaching, get some mentorship, go to masterminds, get to events, meet some people, shake some hands, kiss some babies, whatever. <laughs> Politicians, right? Like you just need to get all of that correct so that if something, heaven forbid, does happen, you have the relationships, you have the skills, you're irreplaceable, people need you. It doesn't affect you. You insulate yourself and you protect yourself. And the other thing I'll say is get some international businesses. I saw it. I'm like, oh, America's down. No problem. Take a look at Germany. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to Jesse Lee, the boss, uh, the real Tarzan here. Make sure to follow I'm Boss Lee mm -hmm. across Instagram and other social media platforms. The real Tarzan on Instagram, YouTube, and every other platform. And we have one request at the end of our episodes. Because people thought it was rude to talk about money, we created the Money Mondays so that you guys can help us spread the word and talk about loans, investments, leases, apartments, real estate, everything in between so people can level up their money game and feel more comfortable talking about money. So follow us. Go to themoneymondays.com. We have weekly calls every single Monday as well. We have a Facebook group and everything in between. We just want people to be a part of it. So make sure to follow Jesse Lee, follow Tarzan, and we'll see you next Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Money Mondays. We are here in Miami, Florida, parked right next to the Fountain Blue Hotel. I'm here with our co-host, The Real Tarzan. <laughs> uh, we have a guest today that we're gonna be able to cover a lot of major topics with. Uh, last year, we sold this company for $115 million after building it up for over a decade. And he's probably gonna jump right back into the same category because he loves it, he's addicted. Uh, recently through a live conference, he has coaching programs, everything in between. So we're gonna cover a lot of good topics for you. Please welcome our guest, Mr. Eric Spoffer. Thanks for having Woo! me. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Eric. So this is the way we work. We talk about three topics, how to make money, how to invest money, and how to give some of it away to charity. Yeah. So if you could do a quick two-minute bio so we can get straight to the money. Yeah. I, um, my story is crazy. I started off a drug addict and a criminal until I got sober in 2006, uh, which my journey in recovery inspired me to help others and then turned to business, turned my passion for helping others into a business, which I scaled and grew into the largest provider of addiction treatments, uh, addiction treatment in the Northeast, uh, maybe even the East Coast. Uh, worked in that business for 13 years, developed, invested in uh, did a lot in real estate alongside with that. Sold that business, like you said, in 2021 for 115 million. Uh, and back at it, doing right it again. Back at it. Right back at it. Yeah. Took, tried to go on a little yeah, did hiatus. You even a week, two weeks. I made a it month? like two and a half months. Oh, there you I go. was okay. like, this sucks. <laughs> point, you don't want to golf yeah. or tennis? Or no, whatever. dude. No. <laughs> All right, yeah. Eric. So let's walk through some of the process. Yeah. You knew that it was your passion, so that's an easy answer already. That you cared about helping people, so that's why you got into the rehab yep. category. So most people, we have to ask them why they did it. This is an obvious one. You wanted to help people that went through some of the same struggles you went through. When you find a category like that, how do you dominate when there's so many other competitors in the space? There's rehab clinics every five miles or 10 miles in LA and Orange County and all across the country. How do people determine where they should go to get a rehab clinic? And then how do you stand out so that people want to come to your clinic in that example? Most importantly, do an amazing job at what you do. Have the most superior product. And so we constantly, day in, day out, um, like you think of a hospitality experience as relatable. Like when you go to a hotel, you know when you go to a hotel and you're like, 
damn, that was well put together. Sure. Like, didn't miss a detail. Right. Like every little right. thing. What an impression. <laughs> and then you go to like a nice hotel, but it was like, you know, eh. Eh. Yeah. we always strive to be the best of the best. And so, you know, a lot of our business was word of mouth that compounded and snowballed over time where, you know, so-and-so got sober at this place that changed their life. And so when they know somebody that needs help, they're making right. that recommendation. Uh, and then we had a sophisticated sales and marketing strategy. Um, you know, as time evolved, I started, I don't know if AdWords was out yet in 2008 or not, but it was still in its infancy stages in this vertical of yeah. business. Uh, but we evolved and got very good at the internet um, where people go for most resources. And so we became top of mind on Google um, and, and then had boots on the ground sales team. So it's interesting when you see billboards for DUIs or for rehab or for those type of things, these are usually individual moments in someone's life. You know, you don't need a DUI attorney until you've got a DUI last night, right? You don't need a criminal attorney until a criminal situation happens. But they have these billboards to create what he just mentioned, which was <laughs> top of mind awareness, that in that moment, you think of Eric Spofford and his clinics. In that moment, you think of this DUI attorney or this criminal attorney or this divorce attorney. In that moment's when you need them, and it's probably only be once or twice in your life, but when you need them, you'll pay whatever it takes to get there. How do you get that top of mind awareness? Is it SEO is one of the main things? Like how does how do you get where people think of I'm going to go there? You know, I don't I actually had a billboard right outside of Boston on Route 93, had major traffic. It's probably the largest highway coming in and out of the city. I had it for 6 months, it cost me 30 grand a month. Oof. You know how many how many referrals or patients that I got from that? Rhymes with zero. Say rhymes with zero, <laughs> and not one. Like it was like I was like, oh, this is gonna light up the phones, baby. Right. Everyone's gonna see us. Yeah. But your point about it's situational. Like everyone comes to the day where they need a DUI or attorney, right. or they need to go to rehab. Um, and so I don't know that it was so much top of mind. I think it was top of Search. when they come to yeah. look for you, right? right? And so what does that mean? Well, well, the the consumer behavior. They're going to reach out for a referral from a trusted source that could be a cousin, an aunt, a doctor, a priest, a police officer, a fireman, the hospital, the social worker, or they're going to go do it on their own. And they're going to pick up their iPhone and go, my son's addicted to heroin and I need help. What do I do? Uh, I need a drug rehab. And so being top of mind with the people that make the referrals that was important. And so we built relationships with them and maintained relationships with those, we call them referral sources, and then also being the first thing that they see uh, on Google. So this isn't a typical Money Mondays question since we mostly focus about money, but it's an important question. If someone has a friend, family, or a casual friend in their life that it seems like it's time for them to go to rehab, how do they have that initial discussion? What would you say? Have it. Most people get so paralyzed in fear because they don't want to upset the other person. Uh, and so they, they hold on to that how, exactly what you said, because how do I talk to that person? Put aside your, they may get upset. Okay. You're fighting for their life. Okay. Like you have to understand that this is a terminal illness. You know, we had 111,000 people die of opioid overdoses alone last year. Oh, God. And oh. now for, Jesus. I think we're going on six <laughs> or seven years, uh, opioid overdoses alone. That's not other drugs. That's not even alcohol are actually the leading cause of loss of life of Americans 18 to 55. It surpassed car accidents wow. six or seven years ago. So when you think about what that means, statistically, you are more likely to die of an opiate overdose than you are a car accident. 
it's nuts. And so I, I always just tell people, you got to like, you got to break the eggs. Like they may get upset. They may, but like, if you really understand the truth of the situation and the, the plausible outcome, if they don't get help right. now, what? Right. And so you, you got to have the bravery and the courage to hurt their feelings and love them enough to not care how they feel. On the business front for in the rehab world, how did you decide it was time to sell? At what moment you're like, you know what? I've got four clinics, now I've got five, now I've got seven, now I've got nine, whatever the number ends up being at this many rehab centers. When do you decide, you know what, I'm gonna package this up and go through a sale process? There were a lot of different factors in that. One, for years, the brand and the company was my life, right? I started when I was 23, I sold wow. it when I was 35. And so I grew up there. You learn a lot right. from 23 to 35. A different person. <laughs> Multiple times sure. a different person. Yeah. Um, there was a personal journey for me that it's a hard business. It's a helping business. It's a labor of love. But when you think of even those statistics that I just rattled off, you're front line in that. And so it's very, very, can be very challenging. And so I just got tired after a little while sure. of doing the same thing. I just wanted to change personally. Yep. Um, and then the moment I had that in the background for quite a while in March of 2021, I woke up, I looked around and I was like, I think we're at the top. Hmm. I think that this has been going so long and we've been in this bull cycle and of economic growth and good times that it has to stop soon. And that was the pivotal decision on that's when I retained an investment banker, started the process. And 10 months later, I sold in December of 2021. And Look at what's happened in the world since. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah the, the it was timing's right on. It was like a premonition. I mean, I look back at timing and I'm like, holy shit. Right. Yeah. So let's say someone's out there listening to us right now and they have their third or fourth location of something or they've got that four million or twelve million or twenty million in revenue, whatever that number is, and they're thinking, you know what, I do want to sell. What should they be thinking about to prepare themselves to package themselves up in order to be able to have a successful exit? There's a lot to it. I started studying private equity and how to sell a business in 2017. And I actually completed three successful minority deals. Mm. Uh, and I had two failed processes before that, um, before I had my ultimate full exit. And so understand, you know, getting smart and getting hip and getting educated um, to what that process looks like, there's an immense amount to learn. And then understanding what type of deal you're looking for. Do you want to take some chips off the table? but still own the business and have control. Okay. You want them. You're not done yet. You want a minority deal. Do you want to take more chips off the table, give up control, maybe even fade into the background, let other people start to work in the business more. That might be more of a majority deal in order to achieve a full exit. You have to develop a sophisticated business that does not need you to operate. Right. And so that's leadership team. It's really people. The primary thing is people. It's a leadership team. Um, and then it's totally professionalizing the business. A lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time moving from mom and pops, owner, founder, entrepreneur driven to a professionalized company. And that was the process of the last few years that I owned the business that I did with minority part with my minority partner. When I sold the business, I had stepped down as the active day to day CEO to executive chairman, which meant I didn't do much. I went to board meetings and answered the phone for the new CEO when he had a question. And that business continued to operate seamlessly and not only operate, but continued to grow without me being present. 
And so that created the security in the buyer for a total sale. Had that business needed me in the day to day, I'd still be there. Right. So I'm going to go over a topic with you guys that Eric just brought up of how I've actually structured my entire life. So my social media agency, Elevator Studio, we spent around $60 million with influencers for brands, products, and mobile apps. Joey Carson is the CEO. Sports card stores. We have nine stores, did $26 million in sales in 27 months. I don't run that. Mo Myers, Jeff Rizzo run that business. Everbo Acai, we have 60 locations. We open one new location every six days. I do nothing besides help raise capital and do some connections. Jeff Fenster is the CEO. Masterminds, $17 million in revenue. 100 million mastermind, Avengers Mastermind, Operation Black Site. Ali Gonzalez runs it. Even within those masterminds, I'm not the face of them. They're my masterminds, and I have 22 instructors for 100 million mastermind. I have eight Avengers for the Avengers Mastermind that I'll do big real estate deals. And I have Michael Chandler, Tim Kennedy, Bedros, Coolion, all these guys that are the faces of Operation Black Site. I don't want to be the face of any of my businesses. One, because I can't sell them. I'm not even planning on selling any of these, but if I were ever going to, I can't be the face of it. I don't run the wild jungle. Tarzan does. He's the face of it, obviously. So he's got 200 million views in the animal space. Why would I, heck would I put my face on it? Every single aspect of my life is run where I'm dealing with text messages and networking and relationships and helping with whatever I can whenever they need me. But I want to be the coach and they be the quarterback. And as, if I looked at every single business in my life, I don't technically run any of them. And I think it's important for people to consider that, as Eric just mentioned, if he was still running it, he would he wouldn't be able to sell it. Right. If he is the face of it and everyone has to come to you and be like, Daddy, Daddy, I need this. Yeah, I gotta, you got to sign this check and you have to do the accounting and you've got to do this Zoom call. How can he sell it then? Because the private equity groups be like, okay, we will buy it, but Eric, we want you to stay for three years or five years or forever. And so there's a lot of exits that you guys could potentially have where they want you to stay on for three to five years. That's okay. Well, a lot of people are selling it, not planning or wanting to stay for the three year to five year period afterwards. Seriously impact your deal terms, right? For if sure. They, if they don't trust that the business isn't okay with you, they're probably going to take a position and and build in an earnout, which means like, oh yeah, we'll give you this valuation, but you only get it after we transact after the and benchmarks. we own your business if you continue to hit these numbers. Right. So now you close, maybe you get a little bit of money or, or a fraction of the money at that point in time, but now you have a gun to your head to perform. <laughs> right. Have fun, you know, <laughs> good, good luck. luck. That's what I did not want. <laughs> yeah, 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 go time. Bye. All right, so we talked a little bit about the making money side. When you decided to exit the company and it sounds like you're gonna jump back into the space, mm -hmm. on the investing side, you started doing a lot of investments. And it yeah. seems like most of them in the real estate category. Right. How did you choose real estate? Why did you choose real estate? And what type of things do you like in the real estate space? I, I'm old school and I learned a lot from my dad. I like real estate for simplicity that I can drive up and touch my money. Yep. I, call it yeah. what it is. Yeah. You know, some people might agree with me. Yeah. Some people might not think that's too smart, but I like it. Um, it's also time tested. It's, you know, a proven uh, means of investment and making wealth. Um, it grows over time. I like the tax benefits. I'm a real estate professional. I work in real estate. I have real estate companies. And so I'm able to, um, I you know, participate in cash flow. I have an appreciating asset that I'm able to create value in, but I also am able to depreciate that against all of my active income. So when someone's first considering getting into real estate investing or doing a flip or buying a property or whatever, what should they be thinking about? Should they be studying? Should they be networking? Should they do deals with someone else first or should they just all take the leap? All of it. All of it. 
Yeah. I, I had partners on my first deals a very long time ago. I spent thousands and thousands of hours learning from re about real estate and getting an education in it, finding mentors, asking questions and, and becoming an expert in it. My particular investment thesis around real estate is I invest mostly in B class uh, single family and multifamily. And a lot of that is section eight affordable housing. You know, you look at the forward economic conditions, just certainty of it. Sure. I know there's always, no matter what happens in the world, right. low income housing is going nowhere. For sure. Um, and so I really enjoy that. And then I also back a lot of healthcare, healthcare, real estate. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are the areas that are unaffected by economy? Right. You know, if the economy tanks tomorrow and we're in the great depression and you have a healthcare issue, yeah, more health uh, you, issues, you're going to have more healthcare <laughs> issues, <laughs> but sure. nobody in a time of crisis or need in healthcare right. says it's a really bad time in the economy, yeah, Let me, know. you know? And so I like those things because they will perform through any economic condition. Some of your, luxury assets the last couple of years after the exit that you purchased or invested into you started flying private a lot yep. you bought the yacht when you look at things like that can you talk to us about the money it saves for you from time talk about renting out the yacht to take down some of the overhead like talk us through some decisions to go buy something that costs millions and millions and millions of dollars i bought a jet i bought a hawker 850 xp um two things on that one there are great tax benefits in in plane ownership yep um, they're a terrible investment. I mean, they just burn cash relentlessly, but it's one of the very few opportunities in life that you have to exchange the currency of money for the currency of time. Yeah. And so my ability to operate that I can, you know, get up early in the morning, get on a jet and be in three states for three meetings and home for a late dinner. It's unbelievable. Sure. And so it's hard to, if you look at it as a standalone investment, it, like it's a terrible idea, absolutely terrible idea. If you quantify it across the board of everything that I'm able to accomplish when I can be as effective and, you know, as I can be with the plane, then it starts to make sense. Um, the yacht, I, I have a charter company in Miami. And so I do charter that out mostly long term, you know, three to seven day charters. I'll do some day charters. It takes the edge off of the cash burn. Um, I have never transparently never made a dollar, sure. uh, char you know, chartering the yacht. That's not why I bought it. It just offsets some of the operational costs. But there's very few other ways to network with people better than, hey, why don't you come spend the day on me with my boat? No matter who it is. Right. Household names, legends. Uh, your Icons. friends. You spend a day on the boat. Yeah. Your friends by the end of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so I use it in that manner and networking. Um, and then it just worked out that when I decided to launch the inner circle, my coaching program for entrepreneurs, uh, executives, et cetera, that I utilized the boat a lot for those events. Can you explain so inner it, circle and can you explain why you got into coaching? Cause you making a couple million bucks in coaching, it's irrelevant to the $150 million number that people hear about. Yeah. Why spend the money, time and energy to do the coaching and what is it for? Like, who's it for? It's for entrepreneurs, high achievers, executives, business owners, and just essentially people that want to win. Um, we have about 65, 70 members now. It's not for everybody. We do weekly group coaching. I teach on mostly business and personal development and entrepreneurship. We have, it's really community driven as well. And so every month we have an event. We just came off of- Every month? Every month. Wow. Yeah, we have a quarterly every three every uh, three months we have a mastermind. Which yep. thank you for speaking at yep. mine uh, yesterday. 
uh, two day event, and then uh, the other months we have a day networking event, like at the and house so or the boat. We'll go out on the yacht, then we have a dinner party at the house, right. and 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 all of that. Uh, and then I interact with all of the members personally. And so that's not, I'm not in your business with you, sure. but if you have questions, if you need advice, you hit me up, I'll get back to you, point you in the right direction. And it's also access to a lot of my network. Oh yeah, I know that guy. Let me, right. let me connect you. Um, I did it because operating the addiction treatment business for 13 years, I ran groups for clients, even though it didn't change my paycheck or the value of the business. I just loved it. Yeah. Every day for 13 years almost, I taught groups for addicts that were trying to change their lives. Unfortunately, in a healthcare facility or recovery, you don't bring a videographer with you, so it's <laughs> not well documented. But but teaching was a passion of mine. Watching people change their lives was a passion of mine. Um, and I did that in the addiction and recovery vertical. And so now where I'm so heavy in this entrepreneurial space and passionate about that as well, it's really like brought me a lot of joy to be able to help other people break into those next levels, get through the bottleneck, break through the plateau. Uh, so I do it because I like it. Why do entrepreneurs, even high level ones, need a coach? Because there's, you know, the way that I think of it, and Inner Circle also, the way I put it together, it's everything that I needed along that journey. Like, had I had access to Inner Circle, I probably would have gotten to where I got to faster and easier and probably with a lot less pain. Um, when you're in the business, no matter how talented, educated, experienced you are, when you're in the day-to-day, -day, you're so close to it right? You're just, you're incredibly close. It's like taking a painting and you're looking at it, but your nose is six inches off of the painting. It's kind of blurry. You can't really make it out. I get to be the guy that's standing 20 feet behind you looking right. at it and it's in focus a little more. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, have you thought of it like this? Have you looked at it like that? You know what I see that I don't think you've considered is. And so even just the fact that a lot of the folks in my group, I do probably have more experience in business than some of them are neck and neck with me, but I'm just in a different perspective than you are. Right. I get to see this differently than you do. And so that's been very helpful. So as you decided to start investing in real estate, start doing coaching programs, why be so active? Why not just hang out on the yacht? Why not just go golfing? Like what, what is it inside of you? you think that after, you know, it's an interesting experience when you go from the day-to-day -day CEO of a business with 325 employees and everything's very busy and you're putting out fires all day long and, and then step into that executive chairman role and I led the process of the sale and so that was very busy and then you sell and your phone stops ringing. Right. And it gets real quiet yep. and you wake up and you go to the gym and maybe you set up a lunch with somebody <laughs> right. and you take a tennis lesson and, and it's still only 2.30. You know, it's like, shit, <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing now? Like right. go home, kind of sit there right. and I'm not happiest. Watch Netflix. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't turned a television on in 15, right. I don't know how long. Right. Uh, I've never been a big TV guy, but I'm happiest when I'm being productive. I'm happiest when I'm on a mission, when I'm building something. I like interacting with other people. I like teams, I like camaraderie, and all of that stuff really brings out the best in me. And so, you know, the, the delusion that a lot of people have of this life of like, oh, I'm gonna make so much money and I'm gonna go on the boat and I'm gonna sit on the beach. And mm -hmm. I did it for, I lasted two and a half months. And I was like, God, this sucks. <laughs> 
you know, it's just terrible. And, you know, when you the guy with the plane and the yacht and the house in Miami and you're sitting on the beach, nobody wants to hear you complain. Right. So you just get back to work. You just change it. Just get back to work. Just get back to work. All right. So you see an entrepreneur like Tarzan, 200 million views a month, starting the, starting the Wild Jungle brand, pet products and pet accessories and pet this and pet that. What do you say to an entrepreneur that has a social media following and they're ready to start their business? What should they do to set up shop? How do they get started? Um, either partner with a tenured business person or, you know, really divest into learning business in all angles. I think that's I'm a big believer in in self-education. Right. Like I'm a 15 year old dropout. I dropped out. Well, they asked me to leave when I was in the 10th grade at 15 years old and I haven't been in formal education since. And so I think anyone can learn business having an audience. Mm -hmm. 200 million views that's insane um with a huge opportunity but start to you know obsessively learn business from all angles and learn how to learn learn how to learn learn how to learn why do you think masterminds are important outside of the instructors themselves i often talk about the networking of the other members that are in the group because they've already proven to you that they also want to be better they already proved to you that they fit into your similar business category world and they have a rolodex of other people within them why do you think that it's important for people to join mastermind groups or create their own mastermind groups? For a couple of reasons. One is the unlock of the creativity of talking to other people. There's just a lot of power in that. Coming off of our two-day mastermind right now, I'm watching the connections happen. I'm watching the conversations. I'm watching the light bulbs go off with none of us, none of the speakers, none of the facilitators, none of that. They're doing that on their own. And so they're leaving better because of it. One of the most painful things in my entrepreneurial journey that I ever went through, though, was the changing guard of the people around me. As I became successful, there was jealousy, there was envy, sure. there were there were knives and backs, there were throats getting slit. I mean, they were like, it was really, really painful that people that I loved and I wanted to be successful. Right. And in fact, I probably wanted them to be more successful than they ever wanted to be for themselves. And one day I realized like I'm the guy that doesn't get invited to the barbecues on the weekends anymore yeah. because I'm up here and they chose to stay here. Right. That was their choice. And joining these groups, you just meet other like-minded people that are on the same path, the same journey. These are your peers. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a tough time because they come from their own life and their own ecosystem and they change and people around them don't change. And then eventually they realize, shit, I can't take these people with me where I'm going. This isn't a fun exercise. Goes wrong for a lot of us. I think most successful entrepreneurs have some of those stories of painful relationships as a result of success. And so in these rooms, you find the camaraderie of a bunch of people that have been through the same things, that are on the same mission, that are like-minded. One of my best friends, he wire transferred $871,000 to himself. <laughs> yeah. Another business partner made a fake account yeah. with identical name to a business that we were invested into. Just changed mm -hmm. one letter, wired himself six hundred thirty thousand yeah. dollars. I've never been heartbroken yeah. like I have been from people um, that I loved right, through this journey. Yep. My closest people. Yep. And so, what what worked for me? I, again, Inner Circle, uh, my mastermind group is everything that I needed. That's why I throw an event every month because I want to foster in-person relationships that you can't offer Zoom every week. Right. And so, you know, I what I did was went out and built a network of other entrepreneurs and other business people. 
You know, my relationships with other entrepreneurs aren't transactional or the base of the relationship isn't transactional. I'm friends with you guys because I like you and I'm friends with you guys. We may do business outside of that, but I don't actually need anything right. from you and you don't need anything from me. You know, whereas the guy that I grew up with who I've been friends with my entire life looks at me and he's like, hey, nice Rolls Royce. Like, I got this problem and it's $8,000 and that's not really not a lot of money to you. Right. I was on Andy Fursella's podcast a couple of weeks ago. We were actually talking about this and he said one thing that really hit me and had me laughing. He said, dude, you, you, it's not a lot of money. Like you could solve this guy's biggest problem with five or $10,000. Yep. No big deal. But the problem is, is now you're the solver of problems and it's like feeding a stray cat. And I was like, damn, it is like feeding stray cats. You know, <laughs> I got a lot of those stray cats. Shit. <laughs> a lot of stray cats. That's that is, they keep coming back, you know? That is one of the main reasons why we hear the stat about 85% of athletes go broke within five years the of leaving the league. Them. It's the people around them. Yeah. It's a lack of information of how to invest and who to... And then the people around them are dragging them down and they're creating these large overheads. And it's like, oh, just 20 grand here. Oh, it's 50 grand. I can cover that. Or, oh, they do need a car. Why do they need a Range Rover? And you look back, like, why do they need a Range Rover? They were broke. Yeah, yeah. Why Honda would have worked. Yeah, Honda would have worked. That would have got them from here to there. And I've seen it, and we've all seen it from a lot of our mutual friends that just made a $14 million football contract, and then now they got to borrow 20 grand from one of us. Totally. They got a $21 million NBA contract, and they want to work for six grand a month for one of us. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's frustrating because very simple things like the knowledge and the people around them could change their life forever. Like, imagine getting $14 million in a sports contract and then being broke. And it's not some one-off story when you hear about the stat of 85%. Even that number is halfway true. 85% within five years is just, I think about that number literally every day. It's, it's stuck in my head. It's so frustrating because I've watched so many athletes, rappers, influencers, friends, and business people that just they make a bunch of money and then they go broke for, for just a couple key things. The, really, the reason we created Money Mondays is so we have these discussions because a lot of people don't talk about it. It's like therapy for some people to actually say, Man, this person stole this money from me. Hey, my partner just screwed me over. Hey, my legal bills are going to be 200 grand, but the lawsuit's for 50 grand. Should I just settle? People don't have this. Nobody talks about lawsuits ever. I want to do some podcast that was just about lawsuits. I've been sued. Invite me back. I've been yeah, sued yeah, 14 yeah. times and I've won 14 times. Yep. I've been I, through. I'm in the middle of two more lawsuits. I'm going to win both of them without a hand. There's no chance. Yep. And I'm going to, they're just going to increase my record to 16 for 16. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be Floyd Mayweather lawsuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the yeah. way, so since we're talking about lawsuits, a really easy way to win lawsuits is in the beginning. If you do things correctly in the beginning and you have good paperwork in the beginning yep. and none of your intentions along the way from your text, your emails, your discussions are ever to screw that person over, you're not going to lose in court most of the time yep. outside of a bad judge or a bad you know jury, whatever. The reason I've never lost is in the beginning, I had good paperwork and along the way, I never did anything intentional to hurt somebody over. So when in that moment that things don't go well, and that's going to happen to everyone listening, by the way, if you are going to be an entrepreneur, you are going to get sued. Let me just be really clear. There is no, like literally no business person that I've ever met that did over seven figures in sales that wasn't sued. Yep. Zero. And none of them sure. got sued once. <laughs> like they got sued a bunch of times. And so don't be shy about it. You can have these discussions. Um, if you have business people in your life where you can join a mastermind like inner circle, it, it's really important to be around people that you can have these real discussions with because otherwise you're going to be $140,000 in legal fees in the case that you could have solved just from asking your friend, wait a minute, what if I did this? Cause your friend already went through it. 
And that's why groups and podcasts and things like this are important. All right. So for the third and final segment, we talk about charity. Charity is not just about money. Obviously, you could donate 10 grand, 50 grand, 5 grand, 100 grand, 1,000, 500 bucks, whatever it is. So charities. But there's a lot of things that we talk about here where people can put in their time, energy, and just rallying the troops, like getting the community together in their local town. How do you decide what type of charities that you're either going to put money into or put your name brand behind? I do it quietly. And so like you won't find a single piece of media. You won't find a single piece of content about what I've given away. I don't, I don't know why I've been like that. I've just always not wanted to get the eyeballs on, on what I've done out there, but I had this experience. It's kind of morbid, but it's not meant to be. But when um, overdoses started to spike in America is in about 2012 and 2013. And that was because a synthetic opioid showed up that wasn't really formally here and it dominated the addiction area called fentanyl. Almost most people are aware of fentanyl, right? And fentanyl started to kill people at scale. And I grew up with a bunch of street kids that I got high with and and most of those guys died over the next five years. Right. You know, till from 2012, 13 to 17, 18, I was just going to funeral after funeral. Until by the time it was like 2018, 2019, I don't really have too many friends left that I grew up with. A lot of them had had children. Hmm. And so what got left behind were a bunch of parentless kids. And so that is where I've spent most of my time and in most of my financial giving has been around helping those children. The children of my friends and beyond that, the children of other people that had addicted parents or affected by addiction. Wow, that's deep. And so, um, you know, I, I got one of my homies that died in 2013. I paid his child support until his kid turned 18 and yeah. and he's still my little homie and, right. and we hang out and stay in touch. And, um, you know, I got people that, that are in this world that know of these situations that will bring me opportunities to be helpful, you know, mom strung out dad died dad's in prison mom died of an overdose grandparents raising kids on fixed income who's buying the hockey gear how are they going to pay for summer camp those type of things and so that that to me is and that's quiet like what am i going to do i'm going to take a picture of that and like hey look at me and johnny i just put them through summer camp like i just keep it quiet try to keep it off the radar and um and a lot of times i try because i'm known in that industry and that space and have a personal brand i even try to stay removed that they don't even know it's me wow a lot of times sometimes it's impossible but um that's really where i spend most of i get shaken down by by all of you and your charities and all that shit too so we're not gonna stop yeah yeah (laughs) keep bringing it you know and um but but my 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 passion and my love around philanthropy uh is helping addiction related causes so Tarzan, on the opposite side, outside of money, you're bringing a ton of exposure to charities. You're trying to get them 49 million views on a video. How do you choose what charity you're going to make famous, essentially? Uh, I love animal charities, of course. You know, and finding like real legit organizations that has like boots on the ground. You know, pulling snares out of the jungle and like, you know, uh, medically dehorning rhinos so they don't get killed by poachers and stuff like that. So. Um, I think one of my first charitable things I've I've worked with Timothy Sykes back in the yep. day. Um, we did a thing called Karma Gal. It's like a nonprofit for animals and just 
natural disasters. It's like they put schools in different jungles and shit where you know little kids don't have nine, school. Like ninety schools already, something yeah, crazy. Ninety schools, yeah, yeah, there's apartments and stuff like that. So, um, I think one of our first videos we ever did, we all went to Africa, like different videographers that were like really good at photos and videos. You know, we got a guy that's really good at storytelling, a girl that's really good at swimming. You know, Tim's really good at putting people together. I had the platform and a virality, you know. So when we all got there, we all meshed and we made a video, 90 seconds, 60 seconds, dropped it on Thanksgiving, and it got like 29 million views. <laughs> we raised a million dollars in like a week. Right. You know, and uh, we just really, you know, the, the organizations we tagged, they, they grew 400,000, 700,000 followers. You know, small organization that was partnered with it had like another 150K, you know, donation. So it was like, it was so cool to see the chain effect of like actually not making money, but like, Helping someone else make money through our platforms, right. and it was like, oh, so bro, powerful. it felt so good. And the same thing with the uh, wildfires in Australia. Like right, right in the beginning of like 2019 or 2020, around that time, Australia was on fire. Like around New Year's, literally, and everybody's fire. like, oh, happy New Year! You know, everybody's like, you know, at their parties, and I'm like, bro, Australia is on fire. Like, you know, I start posting on my platform. I did the same thing about Brazil um, when they was burning the Amazon for. You know, cattle and stuff like that to, you know, raise cows, but they're just destroying our forests and natural <laughs> ecosystems, you know. So to raise awareness and raise money towards those people, it, bro, it feels. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the best, bro. It's yeah. like, I'm addicted to it. Right. You know, it's like, not that I'm looking for the next natural disaster to happen, but I'm like, I'm waiting to, you know, help there, point over there, you know, repost this. So it's, a, it's, it's so good, man. I love it. Oh, yeah. Feel like we're gonna have a really hot summer so i'm worried about the fires yeah man. having four months of extra rain is scary what's gonna happen this summer i have a question so um we've had a lot of guests on our podcast and i always like to observe people's disciplines you know like a boxer he's like real strict with his diet he's running mm -hmm. every night he's boxing um finance guy you have a different level of discipline and i've known you for a while now so yeah. i've been watching your post and seeing you you know you you can't slip because you're gonna go to a whole other level of going back mm -hmm. you know so I, I would like to know how your discipline in your life has affected your finances but like tell us about that discipline because yours is different than everybody else's i feel around sobriety yeah or totally just totally you know? totally yeah i live one thing i know about myself which is i think a double-edged sword it is my yin and my yang is anything i do i do all in obsessively at excess yeah and so I do business, I'm all in, yeah. right? Yeah. All the chips. And so, but I also have to be careful with that. That's addiction. That's, you know, it, it just is what it is. And so I do live my life in a certain framework that I don't deviate for much or really anything ever. It's to me, it's non-negotiable. Um, I get up early. I typically am in bed pretty early unless I have a reason not to be. I haven't had a drink or a mind altering substance in more than 16 years. I eat pretty clean. I work out. I just have these certain things that I'm 110% committed to. I don't smoke nicotine. Like I know for me um, to like everyone was smoking cigars. Like, oh, you can have a cigar. And I'm like, yeah, dog, me and you having a cigar are two different things. Like you're going to have a cigar and go on with your life. Right. I'm going to be sitting in my garage like a degenerate smoking six of these things a day because that's just how I do it, you yeah. know? And so I just have these certain things built into my life that just is what it is you know it's like non-negotiable yeah i don't i don't spend any time with that voice of like like in that moment like you could probably have one cigar like it's okay or yeah. you could have one drink like it's been 16 years why can't you have a drink like i don't entertain that at all 
And so I just shut the noise off and I know what's true for me and it'll be true for the rest of my life. And, you know, I feel confident telling you that whenever my time is up, I will do it. Having never had another drink of alcohol, having never had another drug, having never used nicotine and these things that I'm committed to, I will do every day for the rest of my life until I die. I love that, man. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just listened to another edition of the Money Mondays podcast. Please follow Eric Spofford across social media, especially on Instagram. It's a lot of fun to watch uh, him travel around the country, buying up real estate and working out every morning, taking care of the kids, jumping on boats, jumping on jets. It's really fun to watch the actual life experience of someone who's really done it. You've watched a lot of entrepreneurs who've kind of done it. You're going to get to watch Eric in his real life sense. Also, check out The Real Tarzan, obviously, uh, to watch his hundreds and zillions of views about animal content. And if you can, do us one favor. The Money Mondays was created so that we have more deep discussions about money. It's really important in our country and our society. People that have these discussions about salary, FICO scores, apartments, leases, rents, everything in between, investing, business, etc. We want people to understand money and have these deep discussions about money. So share the podcast, have discussions with your friends, family, offices, etc. And we'll see you next Monday. Peace.